Hey, how you doing? Tim Castleman here. Alright, so this is going to be a different type of episode than the uh, normal Two Drink Tim Castleman uh, podcast. Uh, in fact, I don't even know if I'm actually going to release this. So if you're listening to this in the general public, that means two things happen. Uh, one, uh, either my uh, my computer got hacked and all the nude photos of Jennifer Lawrence and this got leaked out to the internet, or um, I decided to share it openly and honestly. So um, today, you know, I uh, I had my weekly check-in with the uh, with the head doc and. And we were chatting about some stuff, and towards the end of the session, all, all the good shit always happens right when the bill is almost due, right? It's like, hey, listen, Tim, I'm about to give you the keys to life and understanding and all that great stuff, and here's what you do, Tim. It's it's really three simple things. You see, step one is, ding, please insert 25 cents to continue. That's well, much more than that. So uh, one of the things we started talking about was money. And, you know, I, I told her, I was like, you know, I don't really have a lot of hangups about money. And I'm not talking about like, you know, I've done podcasts in the past talking about saving and making money and stuff like that. That's not what I'm relating to. This is more about like the beliefs of money. So I, um, uh, I told her, I was like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know what my hangups are about money. I don't think I've got a big, uh, hang about money. Um, you know, I'm mean, sure my parents filed bankruptcy, uh, when I was a kid and sure, uh, you know, my dad lost all his money and had to move back into his parents' house at age 50. But I'm sure that didn't have any impact on me. And then I stopped and I like I caught my own bullshit for a second. And the session was over and I was like, shit, I, I got to talk about money. So I decided what better way than a, a free therapy session with you. So let's just, I guess, kind of deep dig into this subject a little bit. So and hopefully my ultimate goal um, is to work through my issues with money, um, but also to maybe help identify some issues that you might be having and, and kind of the process that I use, you can use as well. So, um, you know, if I, if I thought back to my early childhood or just childhood, like, you know, money has always been, not always, it's, it's always been a concern for me. I guess you keep saying always, it's always, right? So <clears throat> I live with my biological father, excuse me. So I lived with my biological father uh, for most of my young adult life, up until about age 14. Um, and then my dad, he worked at a, um, a defense contractor and he lost his job. And they gave him, I'm guessing, a pretty good severance. Now, if I had to guess, and I really truthfully don't know that much about uh, what he was making, but he was probably making, you know, 20 plus dollars an hour. And that was back in the 80s when 20 plus dollars an hour actually, you know, was probably the equivalent to 30 to 40 dollars an hour here. Um, so we lived in a small little uh, one bedroom apartment in El Cajon, California. And I could literally walk to school. It was right across the street. So that was kind of cool. Um, for a majority of my life. Uh, so we lived one bedroom apartment. He slept out in the living room. I slept out. Uh, I had my own room basically. And it was my room slash his hobby room because he built model airplanes and stuff. So I, I'd sleep there. You know, I had a bed. I had a, I had a good childhood when it came to that stuff. Like, you know, if I wanted a Nintendo, I got it. Occasionally I'd get a video game, you know, but I mean, I don't remember wanting money-wise for much in life, you know, if I had wants and I had needs and they were always taken care of, I always had clothes, you know, I always had food, it wasn't anything crazy like that, but as I got older, you know, my dad lost his job and he was about, I, don't know, I think in his late 40s, maybe um, almost 50, you know, I just remember 
I don't know. I just remember money being an issue. It started being an issue. Like, as I think back to my childhood, like, my dad never drove a nice car. My parents, um, and just so you kind of understand, like, when I talk about my dad, I'm talking about my biological father. When I talk about my parents, I'm talking about my mom and my stepdad, who, you know, if I'm being honest, my stepdad, in a lot of ways, was more of a father to me than my biological one. So, you know, just thinking back, like, my dad always drove beater cars, you know, never had really fancy vehicle, never was a car guy, never was any of that stuff. So he, he you know, he's making good money. I don't know where it went. Uh, maybe it was a six-pack-a-day uh, drinking habit and, and cigarettes that he, um, you know, I understand has gotten through all of those. Um, you know, he, he no longer drinks and smokes, so good for him. But he lost his job, and I'm sure they gave him some type of severance package. I know they did because they they had a um, you know they had a deal where they teach him how to interview and write um, you know write a resume and do all that stuff. And I remember him struggling. Like I I do remember that. I remember him struggling um, to have the money, you know, and 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 things got tighter and tighter and and around that time when he lost his job you know that was kind of a bad time in the economy when a lot of people lost their job and you know I just like I I just remember certain things like we used to get pizza every Friday night and then that kind of stopped you know and I used to drink soda because I'm a fat kid um you know and uh and I used to drink regular regular sodas and it got so bad like he would go to this um he would go to this this like job center for his old place, you know, and they'd have free sodas there and he'd, you know, hit the button six times and bring home a six pack until someone caught him and he got in trouble for that. Um, but ultimately what he decided to do was he, you know, he couldn't find other work or couldn't find work at the pay that he wanted to make or, or whatever. So he ultimately decided to become an entrepreneur and he ultimately decided to, create a submarine i know it sounds crazy but like a personal use submarine and again this is probably back in the 1990s i had to get if i had to guess yeah probably um and anyway long story short um you know he he built this thing and i had had the idea for a long time it was just basically imagine like a huge pvc pipe and like a pvc cone and i mean it was you know, it, it looked terrible. Now I think about it like it, the presentation was all it, terrible. Um, the, it had a motor on the back and pe- some guy was like, Hey, you got to have something there to protect your motor, you know, or your feet from getting caught in the motor. And he put a, um, he put a, t- t- like a straining bowl on it, you know, but I mean, like it was the co- the cone was, the cone was orange. The body was uh, was white. It, it just didn't, you know, he didn't, like, get it, get it painted. He didn't paint it. He didn't do anything. I remember he spent his money, and, um, he, and he went to, uh, like, a trade show, like an underwater, you know, expo trade show thing. And we got a booth, and he had hand-printed, and, you know. I mean, the guy did the best he could with what he had. Maybe he didn't do the best. He, he, did, he did what he did, you know. He spent his money on his... Uh, um, he spent his money on his booth and it went horrible. I mean, I, I don't think he sold a single one of them. I don't know if he ga- garnered much interest. I mean, it's it kind of like, you know, amateur hour against professionals who were like big in the dive business, big, 
you know, and it just, long story short, it just didn't go well. And he kept pumping money into that. That was before the internet, even, believe it or not. Uh, there was a time, kids, if you're listening to this on your smartphone, you know, while you scan three different browsers, right, with your 14 different tablets and 19 different laptops, there was a time when there was no internet. People communicated and talked via phone. But, you know, he never made sales. And, you know, money got tighter and tighter. And ultimately, you know, at late, late, late in his life, he kind of had to relinquish me, if you will, um, to my mom, you know, basically it was like, Hey, I can't, I can't afford you anymore. Like I can't afford you anymore. Right, sorry about that. There'll be frequent pauses, I think for me to kind of collect myself. So he just couldn't afford me. You know, I can't remember being a kid, we were we had a pool at the uh, apartment complex, which we rarely use, but we were using it one day, and like, um, wow, just a bunch of shit like flooding back. Um, all right, there you go. Um, and I remember one day, like I don't know, like the Chargers. He was a big Charger guy, and uh, they were doing. They used to have this preseason thing, right, um, where like I don't know, ten bucks. You know, ten bucks to to go watch them or whatever, and and go down there and check out the seats and all that good stuff. And I remember he, I mentioned it to him, and he didn't want to to go because he didn't have the money. But he had just bought like these director style chairs. And I remember being, because I'm a smartass and I was a smartass, and I was like, well, how much money, you know, how much money did it take for you to buy those fucking chairs? I didn't say fucking to my dad, you know, because I have a healthy respect to getting knocked the fuck out by him. Um, you know, but I was like, how much money did you spend on these chairs? We could have gone to this thing. And he was like, oh, well, you know, after we get done swimming, we'll take a ride. And and even then I knew. Like, I was onto his bullshit. I was like, Dad, I know you want to take me to that thing. I don't, I don't want to go. Like, I know we don't have the money. It's it's fine. So I remember that. Like, and I remember just stuff that's kind of randomly popping up. Like, I remember being a kid and wanting to buy my first computer. And I don't remember if it was a Thrifty Echo or something, but I saw someone had an ad for, like, an old black and white. That's right, kids. They used to have laptops or, or monitors that were in black and white. So, anyway, long story short, like, and it was a couple hundred bucks. I think it was, like, three, four hundred bucks at the time. And my dad, you have to understand, at the height of working for this other company, he had had, like, a custom PC built like three, four thousand dollars. He had like the top of the line draft printer. I mean, this guy had spent a ton of money on what he wanted. And I remember when I wanted that, I was like, Dad, look, I, you know, I really want this computer. You know, maybe I'll do something on computers one day. And he, uh, he was like, I don't have the money. And I was like, Well, if I can get half from you and half from Mom, you know, maybe I can do it. He's like, Son, I don't have the money. And I, and then I remembered. I was like, Dad, you know. My grandparents had always gotten me like a, a gift card, not a gift card, dumbass, um, a savings bond. There you go. Like every year for Christmas, they got me like a $50 savings bond. And uh, I remember when that happened, you know, like for several years, I had a couple hundred bucks saved up on them. So I told my dad, I said, hey, dad, don't don't worry about it. You know, I just came up with the solution to this problem. Like what I'll do is I'll just cash in those savings bonds I'll cash in those savings bonds and just buy the computer with that. And he told me, he's like, I had to cash in your savings bonds. Like, I, you know, in order to live and survive, you know, I needed it to, at least I think, you know, I had to cash in your savings bonds. And I just, you know, 
I remember being like really hurt, and I was like, "How could you do that to me?" And he, you know, we were actually out in public. We're at a mall. I, I remember this clearest day, like, you know. And then he started crying and was like, "How, you know, how could life do this to me?" Like it was, it wasn't about me and the hurt that had been done to me. It was about what life had done to him, and that he had had to stoop so low, in my opinion, you know, to cash in these savings bonds. Like, that's just crazy to think about that. Yet I don't have any issues with money, right? So I thought. So that was kind of it. So then he had to move back in with his parents at like age whatever and live in a guest bedroom with them until he could get his shit together. And he he never moved out or, or it took him a long time to move out, I should say. Um, my grandfather passed away and then he kind of stayed with my grandma and he just, you know, he couldn't he couldn't get a job for whatever reason. I, I don't know. I mean, we we didn't stay in contact that much. So anyway, long story short, um, he's like, all right, well, you know, I, I got to move out of this apartment. I can't afford it anymore, and I got to go move in with my parents. So you got to go live with your mom and stepdad. And I was like, great, okay, you know, that's that's cool. I get it. And so I moved in with my my mom and, and my stepdad, who I'll probably now refer to as dad just to keep it simple. So I move in with them, and we're living in this house in, in uh, Spring Valley, California. Funny thing about this house, growing up, I thought this house was great, right? I was like, hell yeah, the house is awesome. It doesn't have AC, but you rarely need it, and it's fine, and it's great, and you know, it's I can walk to school. It's only about a half mile, and I can do X and Y and Z, and... Uh, I went back to that same house on my honeymoon because I wanted to show my wife where I lived and it was like total fucking ghetto. It was like, don't even get out of the car. We're not even stopping. Like, take a photo. I think I actually have a blurry photo of this old house somewhere. But I didn't know as a kid and my parents were doing the best they could do. Um, you know, my my dad, stepdad, right? He uh, He loves my mom. Jesus, he loves my mom. I love my mom, but there are some times where I'm like, I don't know how he puts up with it like, you know, I couldn't do it type deal. So anyway, my dad was a hardworking guy. You know, he was in the Navy. He's an E6, so he was probably making decent money. Uh, my mom worked as a hairdresser for many years, um, and then she hurt her back somehow at work and was out of work for a long, long time. In fact, I don't think she ever went back to regular and frequent employment after that. And that really put a struggle on my parents financially, you know, along with a son that's growing up into being a teenager. And, you know, if you have teenagers or being a teenager, that teenagers are expensive. You know, we stop wanting coloring books and GI Joes and we start wanting computers, which by the way, my, my mom ended up buying me that computer. I told you in the last story, um, you know, we want that. I remember I wanted a camera, like a fancy point-and-shoot camera, uh, not point-and-shoot, like uh, interchanges lenses because I wanted to be a wedding photographer. My parents got that. My, You know, my, my dad tried to do everything he could for my mom and make her happy, and, you know, I never saw him lose his shit, you know, about her not working anymore, and I never saw him get really angry with her, and you know, but that paycheck only went so far. So then he starts getting a part-time job, you know, to help make more money, and, I mean, that guy's just a workhorse. If I had, like, a tenth of that guy's work ethic, you know, I would just be ten times more productive. But I remember one day they came home with an, a brand-new RV. 
And my mom had always talked about getting an RV, always wanted an RV. And my dad did everything to make this happen. Like they sold, my, my dad used to go and buy junk cars and fix them up and sell them, you know, and they had like, he had like a Ford Ranger. I mean, you know, they were, they lived modestly. I mean, they just, you know, they weren't, we, we weren't blinging it out. We certainly weren't going to $200 a plate dinners like I do sometimes, right? So they bought this RV and this RV, I mean, they had to trade in so many cars and this and, and the, the payment was so expensive on this fucking RV. Just thinking out loud here, the payment was so expensive on this RV that they couldn't afford the gas to fill the fucking thing. So we would literally sit in the RV on the, you know, just in the after school and stuff like that and just hang out in there because we could never take it on trips because not only did we, you know, not only did we not have the money for the gas a lot of times, but my dad didn't like, like my mom was the one that was like, let's get in a car and go to Arizona for breakfast or lunch. You know, my dad didn't really like doing that stuff. He was like, I want to be home when I'm home because I'm on a ship, you know, in a four by four square for six months out of the year. So I want to be home doing stuff. And, and, you know, my dad was a real, real, uh, not a frivolous guy, a real frugal guy. Like to this day, I can't tell him, you know, I told him what my desk cost, and he, I thought he was going to have a heart attack. Like, he just, everything to him is $5. But he would do that all to make my mom happy. Well, around the time, about six months after that happens, we get the call, it's time to move duty stations. So we move up to Silverdale, Washington, which is where my, my father finished his years in the Navy, and I went to high school the last two years. So we make the trek up there, and when we get there... Stuff starts going wrong, right? My dad really can't find a part-time job. Um, he's on the ship a lot. And because of that, like, I, you know, I didn't know a ton, but as I think back, like, you know, stuff starts getting tougher and tougher because my mom still wasn't working. And um, he, he's the only breadwinner, you know. And I, in fact, I remember I got a job, uh, I joke about my job at Glamour Shots, but, you know, I'm really grateful that I got that job because I remember going and uh, getting my paycheck, my first paycheck. And I went to one of those terrible, like, payday loan places to get the cash, you know, the check cash. We're like, okay, so your check's for $200, and to cash it, we're going to need 175 of it. Not, not that bad, but you get the idea. And I cashed it. I'll never forget, like, feeling proud, like, Mom, here's some money. Here's some money to do what you need to do. And I would, I think I gave them a percentage of the paycheck. I, I really can't remember, right? Maybe I should have done less cocaine in my life, and my memory wouldn't be so shitty. Kidding, I've never done cocaine. So things are getting tougher. My dad's, you know, doing his thing and, and doing the best he can. Uh, he found a little part-time job at a transmission repair shop. But soon, like, very soon after we moved up there, they, uh, they came and got the RV. It got repossessed. I remember they, you know, I remember I got in a big fight with my mom and she was bound and determined to take me back to my dad and spent like 150 bucks, which they didn't have, to fill the fucking RV up so they could drive me back to um, California and drop me off with my dad because, you know, I was a shit of a kid sometimes. Um, but anyway, long story short, the RV got repossessed. And longer story short, because of that and everything else that was going on, and, you know, I don't know all the financial details, but my parents ended up having to file bankruptcy. And I know that that has a lasting impact on me to this day. Because that's my biggest fear, 
is to not have money to provide for my family and not have not have what I would call fuck you money right like not not just be totally at peace that no matter what or you know barring like just a huge catastrophe that I'm going to be okay that we're going to be okay so you know just kind of spitballing here I mean think about this like this is how I'm, I'm thinking of it in my head like I'm with one parent, right? They can't afford me anymore. They have to go move in with their family. And then I'm in with another parent, you know? And they can't afford me. And they file bankruptcy. And, you know, I'm working to help support. You know, my mom isn't really working. She's staying home with me. And, you know, my dad is working um, to do everything he can. And we just can't keep things afloat. We file bankruptcy. They file bankruptcy. But see, even there, like we, I assume that's all three of us. And, you know, after that, things got better. I mean, my mom runs a very successful um, business now. My dad is retired from the Navy and, and has a good federal job, you know, and they're, they're much better financial stewards with their money. They work very hard. Um, you know, they save, they pay cash for everything. I mean, they do all the right stuff, but... You know, that stuff has an impact on me to this day because I don't ever want to be in that position. Like, I don't want, I don't want my wife or me to, to want for anything. You know, I don't know how many of you guys are married or girlfriends, and I understand this is a pretty common thing, but it just drives me nuts. Like, my wife will go to the store, and she will take 10 outfits and then go up to the counter and then change her mind while they're pro and be like, oh, you know what? Send these three back. And it's not that she doesn't have the money. It's that she just didn't like them or she changed her mind or whatever. And it's, that's just crazy to me because it's like the feeling I get is like, oh, you know, like, like we're getting judged by, by the little $8 an hour checkout girl. Like, oh, you don't have the money for this? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, sure. Most broke people you know, will will turn their money back in or, or whatever. But that's just kind of how it impacts me. And um, the bigger thing is, you know, how it impacts the way I run my business and, and everything I do. And what I mean by that is, you know, like I, I keep a lot of money, a lot of money on hand in my business account. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to brag. That That's, that's my safety blanket. Like if I wanted to, and please, Please understand, I'm not doing this to brag. I'm, I'm doing this to work through this shit in my head and help me, okay? But, like, if I wanted to, I could pay off my house and my car and still have a, a what most people would consider excessive to me would be a decent amount. So let's just say if I paid everything off, I still had forty to $50,000 in cash. But I can't bring myself to write that check. Because what happens is then my huge savings amount goes down to a small savings amount. And I'm sure the way that I, I view it, then my value and worth goes from this huge amount to this little amount. And my ability to provide for my family and provide all the wants and needs dwindles as well. My security blanket gets shorter and tinier and smaller and as a result of that you know I become more vulnerable and open to the ups and downs of life instead of 
staying here and being comfortable and, you know, no matter what happens, which is bullshit because tomorrow the economy could go in the tank and U.S. dollars could be, you know, declared worthless and I'd be out blowing dudes at truck stops, you know, to get a happy meal for the family type thing. I don't know. Maybe that's not your post-apocalyptic uh, scenario, right? Like, what happens? Well, first, the val- the dollar gets devalued, and the next thing you know, you're at Walmart blowing dudes for Happy Meals. You know, and my business is, is doing great. My business is the best it's ever been financially. But, you know, I got this, I got this goal of like, hey, I want to hit this X figure, right? I want to hit it. I want to, I want to hit it as quickly as possible. I want to make as much money as possible, but then what? Like, so let's say I double my business, which is what my goal this year is, right? Well, a little, low, a little under double. But let's say I do that. Then, then what? Next year I'm going to double it again and again. Like, what's an extra hundred thousand dollars to me today going to do that that I can't do, right? I mean, I can do whatever I want within reason. You know, I can't go crazy. I can't go buy an island or you know have, pay Mike Tyson a million dollars to tattoo my name on his face or anything. But short of that. There's a lot of things I can do. And I know that my childhood and going through those situations, seeing my dad lose everything, you know, selling the computer, selling the printer. I remember he sold that, that fancy printer I told you about for about half what he paid for. And I remember he opened the one of the drawers. He's like, don't worry, son. Look at all these printer heads I still have. Like, he had all the accessories for it, and he was all excited. Like, I still have it. It's like, Dad, you don't even have the fucking printer. Like, it's great that you have all that stuff, but none of that shit, you know, you can't print any of it out. Um, so, it is just one of those things. It, it is. You know, and, and it's something that impacts me. It's why I'm hesitant to take on more debt. It's hesitant why I'm, I'm, you know, it's the reason why I don't expand my business and hire more staff and scale up and, you know, to the next level and blah, blah, blah. You know, all that crap, right? Um, it, it's all that stuff. It's all that stuff. So, you know, I just, I don't know. That's what my hang-ups are when it comes to money. You know, and the bigger issue that I'm trying to work through when it comes to that thing is, you know, how that impacts me when I when I value other people. Not, I don't like that word. I don't like the value thing. But like, it's a th- it's a thin it's a thin line, right, for me, because. If someone comes up and, and, you know, if it's a friend or a family member or uh, someone I care about or a business associate, right, that, that I care about, and they offer me some business advice, that's fantastic. But if it's someone that's not in that circle and they're trying to tell me what to do, I find it harder to accept that. And let me just give you the backstory, okay? Because you're probably like, what the hell? I don't understand how this trans... Okay, so I was part of a JV group of fellow Kindle uh, publishers and, for some of them, authors. Most of those guys, unfortunately, in those groups aren't publishing shit except products on how to publish stuff, right? Sad but true. And we were having a problem. And that problem is that we were... um, 
like one person would launch today and then three people would launch tomorrow and then for the next month it was like hey no one's launching right and it so it was always a struggle to find good offers to be able to promote somebody and and to give people a set amount of time so i come up with the idea right i'm like hey listen what if we develop this thing called a calendar crazy i know and we put our launches on there and we do everything we can to kind of plan and segment our launches, you know, like the big boys do and, and kind of do that. So I come up with a plan. I come up with a three month calendar. I offer to run it all. I offer to do all that. I get I get like 10, 12, 13 people on board. We're all happy in the group. We're, we're good. We got the calendar. We're going to at least try it. At least try it. It's, I'm not saying it's going to work. I don't know, but we're going to at least try it. So then I come back from dinner take my wife out to dinner, come back, and these two nut huggers in the group that combined, I mean, one guy writes the email for both their businesses, so that's obviously how involved and successful they both are, right? It's like, hey, I'm so profitable at Kindle Publishing and doing my own products that I have to make a living writing emails for other people, but I digress. Like, they start, and these guys don't like me, you know, so they start attacking me in the group and they start attacking, not me, they attack the idea, but because it's my idea and because I get value from helping other people, it feels like it's an attack on me. And they, and what they start doing is they start going to each person that, that's on the, and going, well, why are you a part of this group? Well, why are you doing that? Well, this guy's telling, trying to tell us to run our business and how to run our business. And, you know, why are you letting him run his business? And what happens if we didn't get on the calendar? And, you know, this was decided with two hours and I wasn't here. And bitch, 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 right? And here's how I look at it, right? If Frank Kern emailed me today or was part of a mastermind and said, hey, bitches, right? Because I just imagine that's how Frank starts all his emails to me, right? Or, or group mess. Hey, let's try this, right? In fact, I paid a lot of money to learn this concept. And I've done it before and I know it works. But if Frank came to me and said, hey, guys, let's try this out, I would listen to Frank. One, because I know his knowledge and experience has produced better results than me. And two, like, the guy makes more money than me. Okay, I'll, I remember uh, hanging out at Rachel O'Fay's place, and this was years ago, back when she was in Arizona, and we were talking about something I can't even remember. I think we were talking about money, and I made a comment. I was like, "Yeah, my friend doesn't doesn't think uh, that's a good idea," and she hit me up, and she's like, "Well, let me ask you a question. Like, your friend, I mean, do they make more money than you?" And I was like, "No," and she's like, "Do they struggle financially?" I'm like, "Yeah," and she's like, "So tell me again why you're listening to them." Like, and that's the thing, like these two guys who, who weren't a part of this or uh, planning session, right, weren't a part of the plan, didn't, don't like me, so they would never become part of the plan. They're there bitching about this plan idea before it's even off the ground. You know, you're like, hey, listen, I got an idea. And they're like, fuck your idea. Your idea sucks. Right. So the old Tim Castle would have just gone nuclear. I, I tried. I tried, I really tried to maintain my composure, but at some point, I flipped the switch back to the old me, and I just let them have it, and I said, listen, you know, you two tell me what you make, and I'll tell you what I make, and the biggest pot wins, right, and it was like, you guys tell me why it is that I should listen to you because here's why you should listen to me. And of course, because those two nut huggers, you know, make tens and tens of dollars a year, they're like, well, no, you know, that's pretty sad that you would only listen to people that make more money than you. And it's like, I listen, like, 
you know, would you listen to a guy that's 400 pounds give you diet advice? Now, look, I'm the fattest I've ever been in my entire life. I can tell you what I did to get at the skinniest part of my life, right? But if you didn't listen to me, I can't be too upset because it's not like I'm living in that image, right? But if I'm the guy that's making the largest amount, okay, in the group, and I'm the guy that's willing to set this up and run this and do all this stuff, don't you think you at least should listen to that idea before you go, oh, fuck that, right? So long story short, they just could not let it go. And they kept like, oh, it's really sad that you value and judge people on money. It's like, I don't judge you on money. I'm just saying, here's my cards, right? You show me yours, right? Here's my cards. You show me yours. And they refused to. And ultimately, it ended up that one of the guys is a moderator for the group. And the other guy, uh, the, the owner of the group is like, yeah, you know, I could care less about the subject matter. In fact, I'm already working on my thing that I'm actually give a shit about. And I'm just hammering my list to death in the interim. So anyway, this guy kicks me out of the group and the owner's like, yeah, I saw it. You know, I told him to do whatever he wants. I could care less, you know, type thing. And that's their thing. And I haven't been back in that group since, but like, that's, what's crazy to me is that these people would listen to a guy who has no experience doing what I've, I've suggested, has no financial, you know, reasoning to, to stand on. Like, it's like, okay, I listened to the, my broke, deaf, dumb, retarded hillbilly friend who doesn't know shit, doesn't make shit over the guy that actually does make money, does do what he talks about, knows what he's talking about and is willing to handle it all. Like that was just the craziest thing for me. So anyway, Long story short, right, I notice myself personally, at the end of the day, if we get into this situation where it's like we're fighting, you know, money is always going to be something that comes up, okay? Money is always going to be something that comes up. So like I've got I've got a fr- I've got a, a friend I mean I don't call him a friend we hang out oh, three four times a week we've gone on concert trips together and stuff like that he's a good friend of mine you know but I know already I know like you know I got the ammo prepared like if it ever got shitty between the two of us that I would make it about you know about money. What I mean is, if it got shitty between the two of us, right, and it was like, yeah, well, you know, that's why you got divorced. That would be the thing he'd throw in my face. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, that's why this and that. Like, at the end of the day, I would be like, dude, I make way more money than you, right? I've never filed bankruptcy, right? I, I, I've never, you know, had to give up a house. I've never had to do all those things, and this is why you should listen to me. And... Part of that is because it's meant out of love, but the other thing is like, that's where my value comes from, right? That's one of the ways my value comes. It's like, well, I'm really good at what I do and I make a lot of money and I save a lot of money and I have a lot of money. Like, that's a value thing. And you attacking me uh, is like, well, let me show you how valuable I am. And this is one of the ways I'm valuable is because I have the ability to save a lot of money and all that great stuff, Right? That that's that's one of my value things, and, and I don't, I honestly don't know why that is or where that became a big deal or a bigger deal to me. Because to me, I mean, I'll just be, you know, it is a big deal to me. It, you know, I've always been driven. I've always, 
you know, part of that I'm sure when I was um, fresh out of quitting Progressive, and you know, I had I had a case to prove. You know, I was going to prove to those motherfuckers that they had made the wrong choice by letting me, you know, by basically forcing me out. And it turned out to be the best choice for them and for me because I was terrible at that job and I'm much better and much happier doing what it is. But it's like, I'm going to prove you wrong. And, you know, one of the ways I'm going to prove you wrong is by making all this fucking money. And I'll show you through my money and my assets and my, you know, look at all the shit I have how how wrong you are and that I am a someone of value and that I do have value as a human being and that you fucked up ending this relationship and you're the one missing out more than I am. And really at the core of it, it's, well, you hurt me by doing this. So I'm going to prove you wrong and then I want your hurt to be worse than mine. Right? Like I want you to be like, I fucked up. Even though that will never happen, right? They don't give a shit about me. They don't even think about me. I don't even think about them like I used to. So that's what I'm working on right now. That's why I'm getting my ass kicked every week when I go visit my wonderful counselor. Is trying to figure out my baggage when it comes to money. Why I consider it such a valuable thing as far as how to rate and stack at times, and why I use that as a defense mechanism of, nuh-uh, you should listen to me over me listening to you. And that doesn't even cover the issue of how that probably impacts the way that I run my business, how it impacts the way I invest money or save money. You know, and also my, my wife, you know, she came from a very, very like a a terrible just a terrible financial background her parents didn't didn't have money you know they used to at times you know all bathe together the kids to save money I remember one of the few times you know one of the first times she took a shower she like took a shower forever and I was like what's the deal she's like I can't tell you the last time I had a shower like she had a bath you know but she just never she never had that I remember we went to a wine festival thing and I was like Man, I really like this thing. It's 35 bucks. Buy it for me, you know, because that's just the type of guy I am. By the way, fellas, that's a great move when you're dating a chick. Be like, hey, I like you a lot. Why don't you buy me some shit, right? And she was like, I would, but I don't have the money. She used to come visit me because we lived an hour apart, and she would go to Walmart, fill up a Walmart gift card, and then fill up her tank because she could save two or three cents per gallon. And this was when she was... You know, um, I mean, that's when, you know, she drove a Chevy Cavalier. So she drove a Chevy Cavalier that had like a 10-gallon gas tank. So she did all that work to save 20 cents. And one of the nicest things I could ever do for her when she'd come down is we'd go and fill up her tank before she left. And I'd I'd take her credit card or debit card, um, and then I'd put it in my pocket and I'd pay for it. So apparently I have a uh, a lot of things to work with. And a lot of stuff to um, to do what I need to do when it comes to having a healthy respect and understanding for money and to understand how that stuff impacts my choices. And ultimately, you know, why it's part of my valuation or value system with others. 
So as I come to this podcast end or, or end of this session, you know, I think I am going to share it with people. And I know it's going to be vulnerable and it's definitely different. It's not the comedy thing. But I also know because of I've done this in the past that I'm not the only one that's experienced this. So maybe this will help you. Hell, it just helped me talking through it. The one thing I would encourage you is, you know, I've I've heard this stuff from Dan. I've heard this stuff, oh, you got to get your head wrapped around money and stuff. And it's like, oh, that's a good idea, good idea. I'll do that someday, which leads to never. So what I do, what I'd recommend you do is if you got some hangups and you got some issues, you got to go talk to somebody. You know, we all want to be the person that can self-diagnose. And, and, you know, I can do this now, but I only can do this now because the prompt was given to me by somebody else. And there's a real financial um, cost, you know. There's a, there's a weekly cost that I have to pay, you know, to attend these sessions. So it's not like I read a book and like, oh, it's a really good idea. And I know the shit's expensive, okay? I shudder to think what I've spent in therapy over the last couple of years. But here's what I will tell you. Like, you know, would you pay $1,000 to have someone unfuck your brain when it comes to money and maybe get a healthier understanding? I, I hope you would. I hope you would. I, I've paid several multiples of that. So with that, that's it. I'm done with this uh, edition of the Two Drink Dim podcast. I appreciate you listening to me. I apologize for it not being the normal funny ha-ha Tim Castleman make me laugh. But thank you for continuing to encourage me on this journey to listen, to share your own personal stories of struggle. And above all, I encourage you to realize that, you know, we all have these things that we're working on. And together, we can be successful and helping each other kind of work through them. So thanks so much for your time and attention. I really appreciate it. And I'll see you on the next one.